Welcome to the Cooking for Chemo podcast. I'm your host, Chef Ryan Callahan. And I'm the producer, Jesse Callahan. And the purpose of this podcast is to tackle eating-related side effects of chemotherapy and discuss the practical real-world solutions to make your food taste great again. Again? So we're assuming, right, that food ever tasted good to you to begin with. True. That's an important factor. If it did, we're going to help you do it again. And if not, we're just going to make you help you make it taste great, period. Of course, you may have just been a really bad cook. And then your mom could have been a bad cook or your dad could have been a bad cook and you guys never went out to eat. And so all you've ever eaten is bad food. But I have a book for that. It's called Chef Ryan's How to Cook Cookbook. So do a little plug there for my other products. But that's where you come in. That's exactly where I was going to say. Exactly. So what are we talking about in this episode? So in this podcast, we're going to talk about specific things we can do on a daily basis to keep nausea in check and to keep it from coming back and ruining our appetite. So let's just dive in because this is a big subject that everyone always comes in and is like, I'm so nauseous. (laughs) You know, nausea is one of those horrible things that like... It's terrible. You can make the best tasting food, best smelling food, best looking food. And if you are nauseous, you're just not going to eat. It is an instant appetite killer. And the tricky thing about nausea is that we kind of have to break nausea into a couple different categories. And the first part is nausea that is induced by environment, right? So like you Mm -hmm. smell something, you see something, you taste something, something triggers from your perception, triggers you to be nauseous, right? Now, there's also other nausea, right? There's there's other stimulation nausea, like, for example, inner ear nausea, where you spin around in circles a bunch of times, you know, like you're doing pin the tail on the donkey or hitting a pinata and you put your head on the pole and you spin around a circle, right, when you're a little kid mm-hmm. and you try to go hit it, but you're a little dizzy, right? That's inner ear nausea. You can have that on roller coasters or as you, Jesse, have it on the back roads. Yes, I get really bad it. motion sickness. Yeah, so we don't get to go on roller coasters because Jesse gets really bad motion sickness and so that's also a form of nausea and it's and you know it's that up and down queasy feeling inside your stomach and sometimes it can actually make you vomit which is not fun in any aspect so and and the most important one is of course from chemotherapy as well exactly chemotherapy can actually induce nausea as well which is what I was gonna say is the third thing we need to think about is is this nausea caused by an environmental factor a Is it a motion sickness type of thing, a dizziness, or is it an imbalance like inside of having chemotherapy, which causes nausea as a side effect? Now, of course, remember, guys, there are so many different types of cancer and so many types of chemotherapy that not all of them cause the same side effects and everybody's different, right? Like we talk about all the time, Mm -hmm. everyone's different. So not everybody's going to have the same side effects to the same things, to the same treatments and the same dosages because everybody's different, right? But nausea is pretty much one of those things that happens a lot. Um, And so there's just... A couple things. So we're going to really focus on the nausea that's induced by your sense of smell, your sense of sight, things you can particularly control, right? So we're not going to focus on the motion sickness aspect because that's not really cooking related. And this is cooking for chemo, not how to ride a roller coaster for chemo, right? The eating related side effects. The eating related challenges. So, So let's just dive right in here. So here are just some things you can do real quick easy things you can that you need to think about and keep in your mind to tackle nausea so the first thing you want to do is you want to think about what we talked about in our smell episode about pungency right overly pungent smells can cause nausea think about when you're really sick right when you don't feel good you got the flu you got some kind of stomach virus 
think about what smells you smelled that smelled good. Smells you smelled that smelled good. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant to say. <laughs> right? <laughs> smells as the noun, smells as the verb, smells as the adverb, right? right. Um, so think back to when you're sick, right? When you're a kid, what did you like to eat when you were sick? What made you feel better, right? Typically, it's always like, you know, not bland or boring foods, but it's less complicated foods, right? Chicken noodle soup, chicken and dumplings, vegetable soup. Tomato soup, grilled tomato cheese. Tomato soup, grilled cheese, mashed potatoes, rice, congee, things like that, which is a rice porridge, right? And so all these different foods, they work together. And what they do is they, they're just real simple, easy to digest, basic nutrition for you. And so you want to think about first, you know, is this a really overly powering smell, right? If I smell this, am I going to be hungry, right? We talked about that a lot, building the appetite, losing the appetite, you know, that aspect. So with nausea, we want to make sure that what we're doing is we are accommodating for it and avoiding it. And those are the keys, right? So we want to think about smells that build our appetite, not smells that diminish our appetite. So to that end, what we want to do to combat nausea is we want to use soothing herbs and pleasant aromatics inside of our cooking. So some things that can help with nausea are rosemary, bay leaves, thyme, parsley, right? Sage. Um, I really like marjoram when I'm not feeling good. Also, uh, ginger, mint. There's all kinds of different things that are soothing to smell and relaxing, right? And you want to think about these soothing, relaxing herbs and smells that you can use in your cooking that when you smell them, they're not going to upset your stomach, so to say. And then the other thing we want to think about is the actual individual smell of the ingredients going into it, right? Mm. Like I love cumin and I love chili, as you know, and tacos. But when I don't feel good or when you're nauseous, right? We don't feel good. We don't necessarily, like I make a quesadilla, right? And right. I put a bunch of seasoning spices on there. But when we're not feeling well, when I'm, one of us is feeling sick, we don't put the extra seasonings on there. We just make it real simple. We just toast the tortilla and add the cheese on top of it. And then we put another toasted tortilla on top because we like to make quesadilla sandwiches in our house, right? And so you want to think about these herbs and spices and these different smells that are inside the food. Is the cumin going to be too pungent? Is the kimchi going to trigger it? What is it about the food that you like? What is it about it that you don't like? And we want to, of course, avoid smells that diminish our appetite. And we want to avoid smells also that when you smell them, you don't want to, you know, get sick everywhere. So those are the first couple parts you want to think about. And then I'm going to talk about pungency a little bit more. So pungency is the quantity and concentration of a smell, not the quality, not is this good, is it bad. It's a concentration measurement. It's a factual measurement. It is not a subjective measurement, right? But you can feel good or bad about a specific item that's really pungent, okay? So it can have, you can apply that quality to it. The pungency is the discussion of, is this a really concentrated smell? So like cumin, kimchi, broccoli, cabbage, dog farts, right? These are all really pungent things, right? Really lightly pungent things are like roses, daisies, and those are subjectively good or bad, but there's lots of other foods that, of course, when I'm trying to think about it, it doesn't pop straight in my mind, but like pickled ginger isn't super pungent itself. Pickles when they're pulled, you know, when you just have a single pickle without the brine, they're not super pungent. Cucumbers aren't super pungent in general. Onions are pretty pungent. Very pungent. Very pungent <laughs> on the opposite side. Carrots aren't super pungent. And celery is aromatic, but celery is not super pungent either, 
right? So we want to think about how much quantity of smell is being given off. Not is the smell good or bad in the pungency, but is there a lot of it? Because you may like the smell, but if you're not feeling good, if you're feeling queasy already, too much of that stimulation from your smell can actually induce nausea and give, make, give you a tummy ache before you even begin eating. And we always talk about how important that sense of smell is to building that appetite from a distance. Right. So we want to avoid those overly pungent foods. And of course, everyone's different. And for some people, they may find that eating those or smelling those overly pungent foods does more to trigger the appetite than it does to diminish the appetite. And that's the important thing for you. So if you are the opposite of this, where all you can smell is the really pungent foods and that's the only thing that's doing something for you, go ahead and eat those. Right? Everybody's different. Everyone's different. It's, it's tricky, right? So next thing we want to do is we want to go through and as we talked about before, play the smell game. The smell game is where we sit down and we smell five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different spices and herbs, ingredients, things that have been cooked. And we write down our tasting journal and we do this two or three times a day to build a list of what we like and what we don't like to play the game. Do you like this? Do you not like this? What does this remind you of? Does this build the, build your appetite or diminish your appetite? And once you begin to say yes or no and what it reminds you of and does it build or diminish your appetite, you can begin to build basically a repertoire or a list of ingredients that you can cook with. You know, if you find that you like the smell and taste of cheddar cheese, all of a sudden, hey, that's an ingredient you know you can use. You know, if bread really works for you, all of a sudden you've got really delicious grilled cheese sandwiches at your at your at your disposal, right? Provided right. you don't have mouth sores. Um, so think about the smell game, think about what works for you, and think about what doesn't. So if you, something doesn't work for you, get rid of it. If something works for you, eat more of it. That seems very simple. It seems simple, but people don't always, unless they're giving permission to right. do what's best for themselves, they don't always do what's best for themselves because we're always taught to self-sacrifice. And so in this situation, you're already self-sacrificing a lot and you need to be given this permission to say, yes, I like it and no, I don't. And so I encourage you to follow that. The other thing is that uh, nausea can also be induced by uh, hunger right if you're not eating enough it can make you nauseous that's one of the things that i recently learned about myself as i grow older uh how i'm hungry actually manifests itself differently it used to be i get tingly and dizzy and start seeing stars and then it started turning into i'm not hungry and now i'm nauseous um as i've gotten older which is a really annoying feeling because you're hungry and you but you don't want to eat and everything looks gross right so that's another thing to take into consideration is that sometimes being hungry can make you nauseous. And then on top of that, to compound that even further, being thirsty can also make you nauseous and dizzy on top of it. It can trigger that inner ear imbalance to make you dizzy as well. And then the last thing to think about with your nausea is your medications, right? So your doctor typically gives you a uh, a set of pills for severe days and a set of pills for your light days. And so when you're having a severe day, if you're like a couple days out of just getting infused and you know that those, you know, those vitamins they pump you up on when you feel like a million thousand dollars, right? And then two days later, you feel like, you know, the, you feel like you look like the Crypt Keeper on the outside, but on the inside, right? That's the severe day. So we, that's when we wanted to be taking the severe stuff. And then on the days where the nausea is not so bad, take the light stuff. Don't be a hero. You're already a hero because you're fighting cancer, right? Don't go above and beyond. Do that which is necessary, right? So 
Uh, a great story here is my mom uh, didn't take her correct medications and got dehydrated. She got nauseous, she got dizzy, and she fainted in the shower and almost hit her head on the uh, faucet. And you know, that would have been really bad if you fainted full weight into a faucet. Luckily I was there to catch her before she fell over and we had to go to the hospital. Well, it turned out that she hadn't taken her severe day medication. Uh, so she had really bad nausea and dizziness. And then on top of that, because she was nauseous and dizzy, she wasn't drinking enough fluids. And we ended up having to get like two bags of IV in the <laughs> emergency room, and that was not fun. It was just not a fun day. Nothing at no, the emergency room is ever fun. It's not it like never you go, is. hey guys, let's go to the emergency room. Yeah, that's what I want to do for my birthday, you know? So, so that's basically nausea in a nutshell. Uh, we've covered a lot of nausea through the previous series, and so this is just a way for you to compound that information into an idea that makes sense to you. So let's go on to our audience email. And today it says, Chef Ryan, my husband loves to eat canned tuna, but every time I smell it, it makes me nauseous. I don't want to tell him to stop eating it because he already does so much for me. Is there anything I can do? Yes, there is something you can do. Um, you can tell him to stop eating it. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be the quickest and easiest solution. And I guarantee you that he would be he would be so overjoyed to help you out. But if you do want him to still have that piece of his life to keep his normalcy, that thing that he likes, um, what you could ask him to do is to make it and eat it outside. You know, we make people smoke cigarettes outside because it's bad for you and it's gross. And right? it smells terrible. And it smells terrible. <laughs> it permeates your clothes. It permeates your sinuses. It causes cancer. It does all kinds of horrible things, right? And we make those people go sit outside. Bad dog, not sit that outside. Tuna does that. Not that tuna does that. <laughs> especially canned tuna. <laughs> especially canned tuna. I'm not saying it does any yeah. of those things, but it does the opposite effect of not making you hungry and not making you hungry one time is okay. Over time, over a month, over two months, over three months of missing a meal every day, now you're talking about systematic starvation. Now we're talking about cachexia. Now we're talking about starving. On a side note, if you're gonna make him sit outside and eat it and still let him eat it, make sure he brushes his teeth when he comes That's, back in because his breath's gonna still be Yes, and that was, the, <laughs> that was the next suggestion was, you know, eat it outside and brush your teeth and then get some, get some ventilation going on in the kitchen right. if he's gonna do it inside. But that's what I would suggest is, you know, which at that point in time, by the time you do all that, he should just go to the deli down the street and get a tuna salad sandwich. You know, like at that point of hassle, just go eat it at the subway down the yeah, street. Yeah, I think her point is she wants to be loving back to her husband for doing so much for her, so. Yeah, but I think in this point in time, you're allowed to, I, you should give yourself permission to be picky. And you need to do what's right for you in this situation because I guarantee you that your husband would rather you survive cancer and live a lot longer than eat a tuna salad sandwich. Touche. All right, well, that's all for this episode of the Cooking for Chemo podcast. Remember, you can get all of this information and more on our website, cookingforchemo.org, along with our Gourmand award-winning cookbook, Cooking for Chemo and After. I'm Jesse Callahan. And I'm Chef Ryan Callahan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>